Welcome to Rob and Tony's Cinematic Adventure. I'm Rob Wilson. And I'm Tony the Quantum. So today we're doing The Terminator, the first of the Terminator movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger, directed by James Cameron. Linda Hamilton. And Michael Bean. And Lance uh, Henriksen also. Yes, Lance Henriksen also is in it. He was in a lot in the 80s. He was in a lot, which <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. Because my first exposure to him was Millennium, kind of quasi spinoff. Of X-Files, uh, X-Files yeah. But yeah, so The Terminator, fantastic movie. So, Tony, when was your first Terminator experience? When did you first see it? Um, that's a good question. So, was it was it back when we watched it together for it the first be, time, or yes, did you see it, it before that? Be the first time. Okay. It's funny, because my first memory of Terminator was really from Terminator 2. And that came out in theaters, which obviously I was not allowed to see. I was like six or seven when it came out. Mm-hmm. I guess actually, yeah, what, seven? Yeah, it, it came out 91. in 91, yeah. Yeah, so I was seven when it came out, almost eight. But, you know, with an older brother, we had, you know, knowing different people that talk about wanting to see Judgment Day because it was a big blockbuster. And at that point, you know, I knew Arnold Schwarzenegger, obviously, but Terminator movies are nothing. So, yeah, it wasn't until we first watched it, and I'd actually seen Terminator 2 first. But, yeah, yeah, that was back when I was when I was going for the fire department, the Fairfax County yeah, Fire Department. that's what it was. Every Wednesday night, I'd go to... Uh, the training session for the physical test. And then yep. afterwards we'd get together and we'd usually get a twisted crust pizza from pizza hut <laughs> and watch a movie. Land. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and one of them we watched was Terminator. Although that was not the first time I had seen it. I saw it when I was little, when I was, I saw it back in, let's see, it was, um, 91. Okay. It might have it might have been ninety two because it was it was right after T two came out on video, so it might have been ninety two. I don't remember how big of a gap there was between the theatrical release and the home video release of T two. But uh, one night, my dad came. I was like seven years old. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna right? say like, I was like seven years old. My dad comes home, gets my brother and me, and we go into the living room, and we have a triple feature. We watch Terminator, we watch T2, and we watch Backdraft. <laughs> back to back to back. It was a great night. <laughs> it's, like, it's one of the few times that I was ever actually allowed to watch a rated R movie when I was yeah. little. And we watched three of them in a row. <laughs> it was great. It was great. But yeah, after that, I was pretty obsessed it. with I, the Terminator. I, <laughs> Probably saw Backdraft around that same time. But yeah, I think my dad probably had run it. I just ended up watching it. I, yeah, I don't think of that connection ever being this R movie. No, but Backdraft's not the hardest R rated movie. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's but, uh, not like, you know, Terminator Terminator 2, which are pretty hard R. Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah. And there's harder ones, I mean, but. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know. but yeah, so that was. Yeah, my first experience with Terminator was, yeah, I was about seven years old or so. <laughs> I remember I was laying down on the couch. Dad and my brother were in the two chairs in the living room and watching T1, like, T2 and Backdraft. In the 90s, it would have been hard to escape some of that world of the Terminator movies. Just, you know, we got yeah. Arnold and, you know, there's the two lines from each movie. I'll be back on the first one. And Oslo Vista Baby yep. from T2. So yeah, people are still some pop culture at that time. People are still quoting those. And they will always be quoting them. Because those are probably Arnold Schwarzenegger's two most well-known lines. I mean, he's yeah. got some very quotable movies. Oh yeah, but uh, <laughs> but those two are probably his two top lines that people like to like to quote. Yes, and part of it's just because of some of the other movies, just because you know 
he has such a great accent that yep. I think so his line, especially like kindergarten cop, it's all more about how he says it, as opposed to being kind of like a perfect action type movie line, right? Really good one liners, so to speak. But yeah, so I mean it's probably almost probably twenty years after, you know, Terminator came out that I've actually seen it. And yeah, I don't know. It's funny because you know, we've talked about this before, like how it'd be very easy just to wreck a bunch of movies. Uh, yeah. Like, I remember uh, Yeah, we used to go to Blockbuster, Blockbuster and stuff all the time. I remember even, you know, at times um, high school in the summer, Hollywood video yeah. would have like you could print like five movies for five dollars. Yeah. You know, there's you go in all the old movies and like I never picked up Terminator for whatever reason. You know, I picked up stuff like Goodfellas, Taxi Driver, Aliens and stuff like that. Yeah, all great movies. <laughs> you know, all yeah. definitely worthy of, of watching. But yeah, um, but there's something. Yeah, but for whatever, I don't know for whatever reason why it took a little bit longer for me to get around to first Terminator. And it's like all the all the the streaming services and all that stuff, Netflix and Hulu and Peacock and all those. They're all they're great. It's it's great having all these movies at your fingertips. But it's just that there was something about back in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s just going to the video store. Looking through, and you know, looking for a movie. Look through it, like, you know, there's things. You know, obviously they'll scroll through and show recommendations, but yeah. like, and eh, so, but it's different. It's like yeah. it's trying Walking to you know, still being targeted based. You know, there's all the algorithms trying yeah. to target you, as opposed to just kind of going through like, oh, that looks interesting. Going through, looking at the shelves, being like, okay, there's that up. movie, then there's that one over there, and you know, sometimes you know what you're wanting when you go in there. Sometimes you go in there just trying to see if you can find something to watch. And yeah. then you have that that moment of disappointment when you're wanting a particular movie, and there's and nothing, behind, there's nothing it. behind the box. Yeah, <laughs> 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 run up to the counter like, who rented this movie? <laughs> and every once in a while, you get lucky, and somebody had just returned it, and they just haven't put it on the shelf yet. That's right. <laughs> like, look at the stack. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> Sometimes they would like have them up on the shelves, ready to scan back in. You're looking down mm-hmm. the spine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I miss I miss video stores. Yeah, they were they were great. They were great. <laughs> With the overpriced candy and. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's part, you know, like, go to the movie theaters. Exactly. Overpriced candy. Exactly. Overpriced candy, overpriced <laughs> microwave popcorn. <laughs> well, you know, it's, you know, they got to get their money somehow. Yep. When they're giving out $1 old movies, right? You know? Yep. Running for a whole week. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, interesting thing about Terminator, it was released October 26, 1984, which... 1984 was a leap year, right? It was February 29th. So it would be yep. it would have been released 366 days after I was born. So I was almost a full year, right? Yeah. Next day was my first birthday. Yeah. Makes sense because we were released on a Friday. I was born on a Thursday, but because it's a leap year, my first birthday would have been on a Saturday. So it was released. So Yeah, it was released just a few months after I was born. Like a month and a half, yep. two months after I was born. And what I think is interesting about it is it's completely a story of James Cameron's, right? Yeah. You know, it's not his first movie. He did Piranha 2. But yeah, you know, he completely came up with the story. Yeah. I mean, legend uh, has it that he uh, saw the Terminator in one of his nightmares. Correct. Yeah. But yeah. Then that's that's how he got the idea for it. Which is interesting because, you know, AI is very much still in the public discourse today. A very 
different way than it was back, you know, 40 years ago, obviously. But, you know, it's still kind of that fear that AI rising up, right? But it's his the great vision he had for it. Yeah, it's funny, as you watched it last week, is, you know, there's aspects of it that, say, 10 years ago when I would watch it, I'd say, like, oh, yeah, that's dated. And as we watch it this time, it's like, oh, it actually, like, yeah, I mean, it puts it in that place. But, like, no, it actually puts it in a certain time frame. So yeah. like it dates it, but not in a way that it's dated. No, yeah, it's 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 dated yeah, it's to the to the extent that it is it encapsulates the era where it takes place. It's it's a timeless movie that is also dated in a way because it really speaks of the era of the mid eighties. Correct, and which is important because it is a movie that involves some time travel. Now, mm-hmm. similar to Looper, or Looper similar to it in a way right, where you're trying to eliminate somebody. In this case, it's the AI, Skynet, is trying to eliminate the leader of the resistance, John Connor. Yeah. By by eliminating his mom. Yeah, exactly. Trying to eliminate John Connor by making it so he's never been born. And, you know, I think, as you always say, there will be spoilers. Yes. (laughs) Yes. uh, I I think So thank you for that. Uh, So probably know the general synopsis. Yes. Uh, but we, but we will be talking about the entire movie, so spoiler alert. If you don't want to be spoiled, pause the podcast, watch the movie, and come back and continue listening. If you don't mind spoilers, then keep listening. But yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's the premise that there's been a war between the machines and humans, and there's a resistance leader within the humans. His name is John Connor, and machines want to make sure he's never born. Yes. So because they the- send back machine to eliminate his mom before he's born. Yep, because the machines figure that if John Connor was never born, then obviously couldn't grow up to lead the resistance. And I guess they don't think that anybody else might become leader. Yeah, in his absence, thing, like, anyone else, like this, someone usually fills but, the void, right? Yeah. And, and it's weird because, like, even within the series, it almost even addresses that because it yeah. seems like even though, like, oh, the heroes in the present try to engineer ways to prevent this Judgment Day happening, right? Yeah, and not, but to, it's still, it's still inevitable, right? Yeah, and and not and so to, there's still going to be this inevitable aspect that there's probably someone else to fill that void. Yes. And not to really spoil much of the sequels, but some of them do delve into that. You know how someone always fills the void. But uh, uh, that's all I will say about the sequels, because yeah. we're not talking about the sequels right now. <laughs> but, yeah, the movie start, you know, they give you kind of a brief overview in the feature, which, again, you know, as I said earlier, the movie was released in 1984. So that's the present day of the movie for anyone that would have been watching it when it came out. And it's set in Los Angeles. But the uh, feature in which we're kind of dealing with in terms of people being sent back is 2021. So, you know, you're looking 45 years. Just a few years from now. 45 years. Yeah, which is... And I just, you know, I think it's just the start of it's just great because it's just dark, bleak, and skulls being crushed by machines. Yeah. And one of the great masters who has since passed, Stan Winston, helped create a lot of the yeah. um, the Terminators for the movie and the effects. He also did, he's worked on other movies like Alien and Jurassic Park and so many things. Yeah. So influential in this movie. But yeah, you know, you see it right away. Just the effects of it are just, it's kind of fun. You know, it's almost 40 years later, right? 38 years and it's been released. It holds up really well. Yes, you, yes, you it know, does. Some of the effects, you know, some of the effects later in the movie that are more computer generated, obviously, uh, the practical effects yeah. are just absolutely spot on. 
Yeah. But you can tell some of the effects are clearly stop motion. But yeah, like you're saying, the practical effects are incredible. So they give us that setup. And then you have, I always kind of like the effect when the Terminator, human in the case of uh, Reese, or anyone that matters, gets to the past when they emerge in the present day. Always kind of like that effect, the lightning, and they just kind of appear and appear kind of in a glowing ball. (laughs) You know, get Arnold's ass. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He did his squats. The, the fun thing about that is, like, you know, originally they thought of O.J. Simpson playing Terminator. Yep, <laughs> yep. Now, I've, I've heard <laughs> I, they, I've heard mixed things on that. That it's that that's true, and then I've also heard that that's fabricated. I the reason I remember this is when we get I used, we used to get a regal and they would have that yeah. factoid. And the reason why he wasn't chosen is because people want to believe he was a killer. <laughs> yeah, and I've. I've I've heard that for years. I've heard that. Then more recently, I heard that it wasn't actually true. But he might have been. So I don't know right. what. I don't know what. Uh, there's a lot of things. To believe there. Movies where it'd be great if it is true. There's stuff that might be like in the original script, but it gets cut very quickly yeah. from it. It's never part of the working script. And same thing, like with maybe ideas for people that might be good for the role but they never approached for the role it's like oh yeah i think this person might you know because at the time like oj simpson made a bunch of movies in the 80s you know he was anyway it's kind of funny like, you know in some ways he's perfect because of like how like keanu reeves is perfect for the matrix you know he's very robotic and so he's able to pull it off really well where he doesn't have to display a range of emotions he can just be a machine he yeah be what and, he needs to do. And he only had something like 12 lines or something like that the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah Connor. Uh, we'll get to that. Yeah. Sarah Connor. <laughs> anyway, so it's set up where he shows up, the T-800. And then you yeah, also have... There was an upgrade from the T-600s, which were yes. easy to spot because they had rubber skin. But the uh, yeah, it's all explained <laughs> by Kyle Reese later when he's talking about yeah, the future. Job. He provides all the exposition. And Kyle Reese is from the future. He's a human. Who was... They don't really explain how they know the machines are going to send somebody back to kill Sarah. No, they don't. I mean, I don't know. They never actually say it, no. But, I mean, it's kind of implied when he's talking about how they were able to break into the facility. That's right. And get to the uh, time machine. But, yeah, so only living yeah. tissue can be sent back. Can't just send a through machine. Through time. Back. So that's why they sent a T-800 Terminator back there, because they are, they don't have rubber skin like the T-600s. They are, in the words of Arnold Schwarzenegger in T-2, the cybernetic organism, living tissue surrounding a metal endoskeleton. <laughs> <laughs> so it's living tissue they, around the machine. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that protects the machine inside the creamy machine center <laughs> from getting fried by the uh, time travel tech. And that's also why yeah. they have to be naked in order to travel through time. Because their shirts and everything else. Because their clothes aren't going to go. Organic. Let's Although, put, you know, what living if... tissue over their clothes and they just kind of rip that off. What about when Lady Gaga wore the meat dress? <laughs> could she have traveled through time wearing that? She could. Well, no. Yeah, I guess it needs to be living. living. Yeah, it needs to be living tissue. Yeah. Huh. Okay, fine. <laughs> but 
yeah, they both, you know, Arnold and Michael Bane both show up butt naked. I've always liked the scene. It's, it always makes for a good scene, you know. Arnold shows up and finds a bunch of punks, classic 80s punks. One of them one of is played the, by Bill Paxton. Exactly. He doesn't just play a punk. He plays the punk leader. Yeah. I love it. You know, very classic 80s hairstyle. Yeah. Right? And the uh, one of the other punks is Brian Thompson, the bigger yeah. the bigger one who plays Buffalo Bob in Joe Dirt. I always think this scene's kind of funny because they're laughing at him because obviously he's naked. He's pretty foreboding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean... He's walking directly to them, not flinching, even though he's naked. He's built. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, it's Arnold at his peak. Yeah. Right? And they just decide to mess with him. So he murders them. Yeah. I don't get why they try to. I mean, first off, it's a naked dude walking at you. So you know he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not only that, it's a gigantic naked dude. <laughs> <laughs> like at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So he kills the punks and takes their clothes. Meanwhile, Kyle Reese, who appears in an alley, yeah, so he just he gets visited by a cop. Well, yeah, he see, well, he sees like the homeless dude first, right? Oh yeah, and then he gets visited by a cop. Sees the I homeless dude, the takes sense. the homeless guy's pants, and then the cop finds him, and you get the classic, "What day is it?" And then he gives him the date, "What year?" <laughs> I never got. Though, because like he shows up and he like kind of scares the homeless guy. He's got to see the homeless guy there in the alley sleeping. He shows up and then like this cop car shows up, shining a light down there. Like it's him. Like what do you mean it's him? How do? You- <laughs> yeah, did the home was this? Were they looking for this particular homeless guy, or were they looking for <laughs> Kyle Reese? Were they alerted that some dude was going to show up? Yeah, all lightning naked. Yeah, hmm, that's a good question. But then, like you say, you know, it kind of goes into kind of a classic foot chase thing. And, yep. and yeah, he sees Chasing the cop through a department store. And it's like, here is it? And then they breaks into like that department store and then the chase Kills a trench coat, sneaks into the cop car, takes a shotgun out of there. Which is, you know, all good setup that's done well. And I think, you know, James Cameron always does a good job of just setting things up cinematically and getting the audience built into the movie. And, you know, he's given the exposition about what's happening. And he's introduced us to these two characters that he's kind of talked about. So they've set that aspect of it. And it's saying, like, okay, they got these clothes now. Reese has the weapon. Arnold doesn't have a weapon yet. Yes, no. maybe he has, like, the, he's got, like, a little switchblade knife. Yeah, that he got from one they, of the punks. They, they tried to stab him. And obviously he is able to punch through their stomachs because, yep. you know, he has... Classic the uh, classic killer robot way of killing. Yeah. So, we'll, you know, we get to that. But, and, you know, that's kind of the initial setup. Now, we've gone this far without really mentioning Sarah Connor much, where at this time she is just an oblivious 20-something, works as a uh, waitress at a diner, where yeah, yeah. little kids like putting ice cream in her pockets. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just complains to her. Which, I want to know, did the kid's parents see him put the ice cream in her pocket? Apparently. Because he just picks the ice cream up. Because the other table, like, applauds the little kid for doing it and says he should get the tip. Yeah, because the little kid just picks it up on a spoon and just puts it over there, just drops it in her pocket. The parents are cool with that. They're terrible parents. Yeah. Maybe they were in the bathroom or something and they left the kid by himself. It was the 80s. He could do that. I also want to know that there's a diner, and it seemed like they had a decent-sized break room for the employees. Yeah. Which didn't make a, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Anyway. I mean, what's a diner doing with a break room anyway? Yeah. I only think Olive Garden has a break room. No, most restaurants, the break room is the kitchen. If you want to eat your employee meal, you wait until slow hours. Yeah. 
we clock then you out go and find a table in the corner a table away from everybody else mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, i don't know california yeah maybe they got break rooms in uh, california diners but yeah, no, it's a good introduction to her because like there's obviously a lot of time between the first one and the second one where she builds herself into a soldier. Yeah. You know, when you look at the beginning of it, you know, don't think she's gonna be like the soldier throughout the movie, Reese just continues to talk about how strong she is. And you know, she doesn't see it, obviously, yet and rolled into it. The movie does a really good job of that. Yeah. Then she goes home after work and we meet her roommate. We see that they have an iguana. She's got a pet iguana. I like that. Pet iguana. You know, and she Supposed to have a date that evening. Her roommate has a boyfriend that's going to come over that evening. And so that, that's kind of where she, you know, I, I kind of like that aspect of it too. Is like it's just this very kind of routine Friday evening for some 20 something. You know, it takes the time to be able to do that. You know, it's built in the character. That's so why the movie really isn't that long. Cameron makes long movies now, but. Yeah, but. The movie with credits, like, you know, an hour and 47 minutes. Yeah, it tw- yeah it's not quite two hours. <laughs> But he's effectively able to build in the character aspects. He doesn't, you know, obviously he doesn't need to build in for a Terminator because he's just a machine. But he does, though. Like, he, he doesn't yes. need to, but he does. Yep. <laughs> he still, he still, you know, creates the character of the Terminator, even yep. though it's just this futuristic killing machine. That yeah. That's really all that needs to be said about it. But he makes the Terminator its own character. That's right. You know, and it's funny, you know, it's easy to knock Arnold's acting, but he does a good job for it, and he does imbue what he needs to for the character. So you get interspersed within that because you saw that evening where Reese arrives, right? And the next day, Sarah Connor's going about her business. You don't see much of Reese, but we do get to see what's going on with the Terminator. Yes. Terminator right? goes to a gun shop to get weapons. I love this scene. Yes, oh me God. too. <laughs> The gun, the gun shop. Long slide with laser sight. He thinks he's having a day where he can close early. Mm-hmm. And he does close early. I need a phase plasma rifle in the 40 watt range. <laughs> uh, oh no, just just what you see at the just what you see at the counter. You know, they were uh, I read a theory not too long ago that the Terminator asked for a, a phased plasma rifle on purpose, basically to judge the uh, defensive capabilities of the 20th century. Like he was testing the guy asking for that gun in the 40 watt range, which is not very much yeah. <laughs> power. You know, it's not a very high uh, wattage just as a way to test the waters and to see what kind of weapons were you know, see if anybody from that era actually knew what that was. Okay. But, Makes sense. But it could have also just been, he's from the future, so he was expecting future weapons. But he's also a machine, so it's it's feasible. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. But yeah, so then, cool. of course, as the uh, gun shop clerk turns his back to get stuff put together for him, yeah, you know, he loads the shotgun. Basically and, the paperwork, you yeah. know. Yeah, he, he uh, you know, the Terminator loads the shotgun, and the clerk tries to protest. Tries to tell him he can't do that, but obviously he can because he did. <laughs> um, and then he kills the clerk and takes the guns. And then we get. Do you that. know the name of the actor that played the clerk? Um, I was just looking at it not long ago. Dick Miller. Yes, Dick Miller. Yes, Dick Miller. He uh, passed away a few years ago. Hmm. What? It was in a. Uh, yeah. What else was he? In? He. I know I've seen him in other things. There was some. Um, he was in the Burbs movie. He was in called Trial of the Screaming Forehead. He was in Gremlins. Bunch of 80s stuff. 
He was in the Burbs. He was in Small Soldiers. He was in the episode of NYPD Blue. Don't know if it's hmm. the one with Dennis Franz's ass. He was in Looney Tunes Back in Action. He's oh, he was on uh, a couple Batman animated episodes. Oh, really? He was in the uh, Bennett TV version of Clueless. He's even going to be in our next movie. Ask the fan has him. Chucky mm-hmm. Soul. Ah, uh, yeah. He was in Lois and Clark. Yeah, um, he actually had kind of a brief role in the '90s uh, Flash series with John Shipp. He was in uh, oh, yeah. uh, like a six-episode like stint in that. A little recurring character. Oh yeah, he was the garbage man in the Burbs. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway. Um, he was in Gremlins 2 also. He was Murray Futterman, who's the boss. No idea who that yeah. character is. But, but yeah. So he's oh, he was in Interspace. He was the cab driver in Interspace with uh, Dennis Quaid and Martin Short. Yeah, that was a good movie. Maybe we should do that one one of these Never days. Never seen it. Oh, I loved that movie when <laughs> I was a kid. <laughs> it's a good movie. We should probably do it one really? of these days on, on here. But... Uh, um. He blows away the clerk. And then I always kind of liked that. You know, and then he goes, find the phone book. Right? Because he had to find the phone book. Yeah. What would they have done today? Like, how would they have figured out where all... They would have Googled the name. Sarah Connors are. He would have Googled it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. but what I don't get is they did the same thing that everybody in every movie who goes to a phone booth and looks through the phone book, what they do. He tears the page out. He finds the C's for Sarah Connor. He tears the page uh-huh. out. So what happens for the, with the next person who wants to, who needs to find something on that page? Marty did the same thing back in the future. Yeah, he did. He's also, he's at this point, like, he's a robot. Yeah. You know, he's got computer chips in him. Yeah, he should, he be, should able be able to, to just scan it, it and, and store it within his mind. Exactly. Which you kind of see him use with other things later in the movie. Anyway. You know, Bill and Ted never tear the pages out of the phone book. No. They're polite boys. Yes. I mean, granted, they take the phone booth with them, but. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah. But yeah, you see him, he finds the list of Sarah Connors. There's three, which, uh, you know, which in some ways I'm always surprised there's not more Sarah Connors in the Los Angeles area. Yeah. No, Connors not Smith. No, it's not, it's not a super common name, but it's not uncommon. But, you know, it's not like some crazy, right? And then Sarah, like, yeah, I mean, Sarah's always kind of a popular name. Yeah, so he just goes down the list of names, goes to each of the addresses. You know, he goes to the first, he shows up at the house, he crushes some poor kid's remote-controlled car. Yep, with the station wagon that he's driving. Which, you know, is the first thing he saw in the later movies. They find cool vehicles to commandeer. But. Yeah. <laughs> He goes up, crushes the kid's car. Well, I mean, the kid's playing in the street, so he, 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 left, his, he left his toy truck in the street. Maybe a car might run over it. But then again, he's playing with toy cars, so where else yes. would they be than in the street? Yeah, no. Like, so There's not enough space in the house, and if the backyard is going to be grass, mm-hmm. maybe your driveway. But even the driveway is only so big. Yeah, I mean, cars drive in the street, so why not play with your toy cars in the street? Yeah, it's a typical residential neighborhood, and you can probably see enough in advance. Like, okay, I'm going to drive my car somewhere yeah. else. So let the car go by. I mean, they didn't really have too many of those slow children playing uh, signs no. back then. <laughs> I mean, you know, we had bench sheets in the front where it just stuck people between the driver and the passenger. Yeah. And help <laughs> go through the windshield. Yep. 
<laughs> or push in the cigarette lighter and stick the finger on it. <laughs> yep. Cars don't even have cigarette lighters anymore. <laughs> yeah, that, now it's just a, no, it's just a power it. outlet. Anyway. But, uh, but yeah, um, so he goes, knocks on the door. The woman that lives there opens it, and all he says is, Siracana. Yes. <laughs> and he pushes open the door. Pulls out his forty-five long slide with a laser sight, <laughs> standing oh two inches dot. from her face with the dot on her forehead. <laughs> shoots her six and times. Boom! And then like shoots her once in the head. She falls. He shoots her five more times while she's on the ground. He <laughs> <laughs> wanted to make sure that Sarah Connor was dead. <laughs> he could see. <laughs> There's a geek big holder. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. I'm going to shoot you in the chest. Yeah. Just going to empty the magazine into you to make sure that you're dead. And then it turns out to be the wrong Sarah Connor. But it's lucky because, like, you hear about her death. You know, at least our Sarah hears about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her. Back, uh, right? Her roommate told her, told her to turn on the TV. Uh, so she went and she turned on the TV. And, and did uh, they talk about how she was a mother of what? You know, several children, you know, two or three children. And thankfully, none of those little kids came walking in and no, seeing her, their mother get their head blown off. Her son was probably too busy crying over his crushed toy truck. <laughs> I was going to say, might have been one of the kids out in the street. But yeah, no, I, I just... It's just hilarious. He's like, no, he has to empty the magazine in her. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious. She's dead. I mean, there are those that argue uh, about, you know, why does he need the laser sight that close? But if you listen to the uh, pawn shop clerk when he's getting the gun, he tells him that if you start to pull the trigger, the light comes on. Yes, he does. The laser comes on. So that's why. It's not that he, <laughs> you know, flipped a switch to turn on the, uh, the laser sight. It's just when he started pulling the trigger, that's when it came on. You know, in T2, he uses a feature with his computer to make sure that there's no casualties. He could have probably just look, make sure, like, it's a deceased. Yeah. Or terminate it, right? Yeah. No, no, just Probably. <laughs> but T2, wasn't that, like, the next model up of T800? Yes. So maybe, maybe the original model didn't have that feature. And you know when we get into T two, because T two he was the T one o the he was the model one o one, wasn't he of the T eight hundred? Yeah, that John was able to send him back, so probably gave him the features to be updated, knowing that yeah. he'd be fighting against a more updated. I mean, ter- something anyway, like that. It'd really just be like a firmware upgrade. Yeah, you know, just plug him in and download the update. Yeah. Anyway, Sarah hears about this, and of course, you know, it's kind of shocking because, like, yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, Sarah Connor gets grisly murdered in yeah. broad daylight in her home, you know, and some respectable person. Not like it's just anyway, you know, obviously it seems random at the time. It's not completely random. Yeah, but then, and then another know, Sarah Connor ends up getting killed off screen. Right? Which we don't we don't really see and they reference yeah, it later. They reference it at the police station. Yes. The cops are standing there, one of whom is Lance Henriksen. Yep. But they're talking about it and how they're possibly looking at a serial killer because he's just killing people named Sarah Connor. Correct. And, and so the other they, one is Paul Winfield. 
But yeah, so they're, you know, and I don't know why they suggest calling him a phone book killer, even though, yes, he is looking from a phone book, just going down the list of Sarah Connors. He's looking from a phone booth, but it, but he's going through each Sarah Connor, which, if you look in the phone book, they're all listed there, which would be the only logic behind calling him the phone book killer. But if it's a specific name of person that he's going after instead of just whoever's next in the phone book. Yeah, phone like book killer's not really saying, an appropriate I'm name going for to page, it. page, you know, 517 the phone book and looking in column three. Yeah. Row eight. And that's who I'm going to kill. The power is really more about being Sarah Connor as opposed to just using the phone book randomly. Yeah. So why not call him like the Connor killer or the Sarah Connor killer? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Never thought about that. But, so, uh, but yeah. You have those forces and Sarah's at home in her, you know, her apartment now with her roommate and you know, we get something else that you don't see much anymore on the answering machine. Yes. There's an answering machine. Back before you know people house. actually had phones in the house yeah. instead of cell phones. And if you want to leave a message it wasn't on voicemail, it was on the answering machine. Yep. But you know, we hear the guy that's supposed to take Sarah out. And again, because you know it's nineteen eighty four is no cell phone. Well very few people have Yes, and those that did have them paid an arm and a leg for the service. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> leaves a message saying that, you know, he can't make it. He's just a dick. So why isn't he dying? He should die. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so the cops decide <laughs> that they're going to try to contact all the rest of the Sarah Connors in the area to warn them. But the problem is there may she's kind of getting there, sad but... because she's getting stood up on this date. Yep. So, so she decides to leave. She decides to leave, and also because her roommate and her roommate's boyfriend are, you know, they're going to get frisky. Too busy, make whoopee. Yes, they're, they're, to they're too busy the doing the deed. By the way, it's not just in horror movies. Premarital sex leads to your death. Yes. If, it's, it if it's not a masked killer at a camp or in a neighborhood or from your dreams, then it's going to be a robot from the future. That's going to come and kill you. So remember that, kids. Premarital sex leads to your death. Funny enough, there is a rule that gets violated. Because usually you have to say, I'll be right back. No, you die. Well, I don't know why. I guess this Not true. always. He does die. Yeah. <laughs> true. No premarital sex. Especially when your roommate is fearing for her life. Yeah. That's the consequence. But also back it's to the... It's actually perfect. Also back to the... the I'll be right back thing. He doesn't say like it's it's uh, I'll be right back that gets you killed. He He's just a, says I'll be back. Yeah, no, he, he says, doesn't I'll say be I'll be back, right yes. back. So that's how he gets out of it. That's how he gets away with not I mean, he dying is right, right away. back. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I I always like the aspect of things because after the done doing the deed, the dude falls asleep because it's always the dude that falls asleep and. You know, and she's going off to the kitchen. She's got her headphones on. She's dancing, dancing in the kitchen. Arnold breaks in. He's sleeping there. Obviously, it wakes her boyfriend up. This is the roommate's boyfriend. Obviously, yeah. not Sarah's boyfriend. So we goofed up with that. And then he you know, throws it through a wall. Yeah. The boyfriend and, breaks a bat on his back. Yeah. He's thinking this is big dude. He's admirable in what he's doing, obviously. He's yeah, not, he doesn't know he's going up against a killing machine. No, he's just like wildly underestimating his opponent. Yes. <laughs> then, you know, he kills him, throws it through the wall, and then that's when the roommate sees all this, and she gets scared. And, you know, remember at the same time, at this point, Terminator's most likely assuming that's Sarah Connor, because right? that's the address. Mm-hmm. 
And so he shoots her. Shoots her. Kills her. Right. And then, which only happens with movie timing, right after he kills the roommate, Sarah calls and leaves a message on the answering machine, which he hears, saying where she she is, that she is at a nightclub called Tech Noir. I love how the cop knows, Paul Winfield knows exactly where that is. Yes. Yes. The exact location of some random bar in Los Angeles. It's not like, you know, it's not like some small college town. Like, oh yeah, I know where that is. The reason she's calling, too, is that she got out from a movie because she's going to do the movie and set it to mm-hmm. better time. She gets out from the movie, and Michael Bain, Kyle Reese, has also looked at the phone book by Sarah Connors. And he is following her, right? And she picks up on this. Yeah, so in and order to get away knows, from Kyle Reese, she ducks into Tech Noir. And, you know, and she's already on edge because she knows these Sarah Connors are being killed. And, you know, this is where, you know, this is kind of where I was thinking about there being kind of this classic aspect of the 80s. But it'd be just like if you made a movie in the 70s and you put it in a discotheque, right? Yeah. It would make sense because it's 1974, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're in some jazz club in a movie that takes place in 1927. It's, yeah, but this is 1984, it so it's in a techno club. Yeah, you know, you got people in their punk-looking things, and yeah, and it's a you know obviously stripped-down minimalist, and you know gray walls. You know, it actually fits well. Yeah, she goes in, and Kyle Reese goes in. Never figure out. I guess at some point he gets some cash somehow because he pays in cover. Maybe the homeless guy had a couple bucks in his pocket when he took his pants. Right. Maybe he had uh, been panhandling, and that's why the cops were after the homeless guy? Because what happens is, like, you know, she's hanging out there, she's sitting by herself, and Kyle's sitting at the bar, and she sees this, she calls the cops, right? And she's been trying to call the cops, but she can't get through. And she finally gets through to the the right detective to say, hey, this is what's going on. Yeah, so he tells her to stay there, to stay visible. Which is good advice. If it was a normal yes. dude. It was a normal dude that was chasing her and not a killer Terminator from the future. But that's where the thing was, I questioned like, the cover charge because Terminator just walks straight through and the woman's like, hey. Hey, he didn't pay. So the bouncers pay. go and try to get him and he so, like, breaks the dude's hand and paid throws him down. And, yeah. But after the one bouncer gets tossed aside, they just stop trying to stop him. They don't call for bouncer backup. Or the cops. Probably the cops, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, at the same time, I don't think it's a bar. Like, it's a bar, but I don't think they normally have a lot of problems. I mean, it's a nightclub, so it's more than just a bar. It's a nightclub. So, I mean, they're bound to have their their share of issues. You know, it doesn't strike me as some of these other ones, especially where there might be more legal activity going on. Anyway. Anyway, so Arnold raises his gun. He sees Sarah across the crowd. Right, and she's focused on Kyle. She ends up seeing that he's there, and she gets distracted by that before she finally sees Arnold start like walking towards her. And then he raises his gun, and before he can shoot her, Kyle jumps out, pulls the sawed-off shotgun from under his trench coat, and shoots the Terminator. Which then, we did, yeah, I guess we didn't cover up the shotgun. Yeah, that he the shotgun that he had, that he had gotten from the cop car, he sawed it down, and so he turned it into a sawed-off. But yeah, so it turns um, into a shootout within Tech Noir. So Kyle is able to escape with Sarah. Unfortunately, there's a couple of like, casualties in there, you know, but it is what it is when they escape. And, you yeah. know, and I always think they play this part well. 
where she's still not trusting of him at first. She obviously sees Arnold pointing his gun at her. He saves her, but like mm-hmm. it's all very confusing to her still. Yeah, which I mean is understandable because there's really well. so much adrenaline and yeah, you know, no, it's played well. Sarah Connors are getting killed left and right. She doesn't know who to trust. You know, for all she yeah. knows, it could yeah. be some game between the two of them. Yeah. You know, who can kill the most Sarah Connors? Uh-huh. That's right. You know, I like the pacing up to this point. Right now, obviously, you have these scenes, uh, like small action sequences that we've referenced already. It builds up the character, it builds up the background the setting of the movie and it just really it builds up i guess you know just it builds the world up. yeah of it, it, terminator yeah. right it's world building and paces it well enough it brings in the different characters and it establishes them makes you care about them and now they're allowed to have this sequence that's very action-oriented. and all that world building all that character development this is all still like the first 20 minutes of the movie yeah it's all done so yep. quickly, but so thoroughly. You know, it's funny, like, saying this now, and, like, because, you know, the second Avatar just came out, and, like, in the last 25 years, James Cameron's made, like, three movies, and all of them are over three hours long, which is fine. And each one has been massively successful. Yeah. So he, he knows how to engage an audience. But it's just such a stark contrast to so this movie that's 107 minutes compared to some of these other movies. And even later, Terminator 2, which is a longer movie, and then there's the director's cut also, which is longer. They're all great and fantastic, but I just think this movie, so far, as we're showing, this really shows off his skill knowing how to sell a story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, I he agree. He knows his characters, he knows his world, and then he's like, this is how I'm presenting them. And he, he gets the right actors for it, too, obviously. You know, Michael Bain and Linda Hamilton, who are they? And they do it. James Cameron kind of is the one that made Michael Bain a star. Yeah. Because he had Terminator, you had Aliens. And, you know, after those two, he was basically became somewhat of an action star for the rest of the 80s and then into the 90s. He was even in The Rock. Yeah. In The Rock. He was in Navy Seals with Charlie Sheen. So, you don't see him as often now, which is fine. You know, he's done what he's needed to do. He doesn't need to do a lot. He was even in The Mandalorian. He was. Yeah. That's right. And yeah, also in The Walking Dead. He was in an episode of Walking Dead in uh, this uh, last season. So, anyway. So, we haven't really covered it much yet, but you know, at this point... I think Terminator has a police car at this point, right? And, yeah. Yeah, right? he, he so created in a station that, wagon for a cop car. And we also find out he can voice back. Yes. Which is important later. So they had a chase. Reese and Connor end up hiding out in a like garage parking lot, which is where Sarah kind of gets the rundown, everything that's going yeah. on. This is a big exposition dump. Um, which you know, but works it well fits. because yeah, they, it works kind well. Cutting between them at this point, we kind of need an exposition. Are looking for them because obviously there's been this big shootout in a club, and now so we look at them and like there's a scene where they kind of hit Terminator and throw him off. That's how he gets the cop car. They hit him, and they throw him off the car. And mm-hmm. Cop sees this, and gets out of the cop car, and that's when Terminator steals the cop car. Pretends to be that cop. Um, Mimics his so voice, calls on the radio. Yeah, the Terminator, you're looking for them, and they're just trying to hide. And he tells them about Skynet, which is created by, we haven't really said it yet, Cyberdyne Systems, which plays prominently in the second movie. But it's all about a defense network, right? You know, using computers as a defense network, and it becomes self aware, like a lot of times within these sci fi movies, that humans are a threat. 
And so it decides it's going to try to wipe out all humanity. It's a good old nuclear war. And so that's when Sarah gets that entire rundown of it. And we learn that the resistance really is kind of working towards like victory. This is why the computers have to send back to it. And so John Connor had learned of the machine's plan to send a Terminator back in time to kill Sarah Connor before he was born, before John was born. And so John sent Kyle Reese back there. Kyle just thinks that it was because he was a good soldier and he was, you know, one of the few people that John really trusted more than anyone else. But we find out later that that's not the only reason he sends him back. But yeah, so he sends him back to protect his mother. I think what's important in this as well is you look at Reese, you know, he's probably, you know, he's mid to late 20s. He tells Sarah, like, he doesn't really know um, anything but this desolate time of apocalypse, right? I mean, he grew up um, in the middle of a war with the machines. Yeah. So when he's originally from, when he came back, it was like 2029, probably puts his birth year, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. And we'll find out eventually this date that kind of triggers this nuclear war between humans and machines is kind of in flux. But it seems like the events in this movie definitely push it back to a degree. Anyway, so you get that expedition done. They're just hiding down in the front seat of the car, right? Because, yeah, the cop spotlights cars trying to see in between the cars and trying to find them. Well, they're in the front seat of a car, but then also like sort of in a tunnel pipe, uh, yeah. concrete pipe under the road. And then so it, eventually the Terminator finds out where they are because he's listening to the police scanner in the car that he's in. And it leads between a chase between them and then. And end up crashing, and the rest of the cops closing on them. And that's when they arrest Reese, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it makes sense. They arrest Reese, and they take uh, Sarah in for protection. Yeah, they, and they, they think know, that they, Reese is the guy that's going around killing Sarah Connors. And <laughs> she's and Sarah is trying to ask the cops how much of his story could possibly be true. Right, and they bring in the psychiatrist, Silverman, who is one of the few characters that strings across the movies, actually. Yeah. Played by Earl Bowen. Yeah, Earl Bowen, who yeah recently yeah. passed away, which uh, is what I've always liked is which is part of the reason why we decided to do this movie now. This what I've always liked about this though is that you kind of had like the two cops, you know, Paul Winfield and Lance Henriksen. Lance Henriksen can tell doesn't like Kyle, doesn't believe him, but like Paul Winfield, he can tell he understands something else really is happening here that doesn't add up. Like you see that cop intuition that he has. That, like, obviously, the story doesn't make any sense whatsoever to him. You don't blame them for not believing the story. But you see him because in the interrogation room, you have Silverman with Reese. They're watching it. And he's just kind of chewing his gum. He's really intent on it because you just kind of, you can see it working in him. Like, there's some truth what he's saying, Mm -hmm. how he's presenting it. Because, obviously, the guy works with him. You know, he's a detective. He's a cop. He's dealt with a bunch of criminals, and yeah. murderers. And, yeah. And um, and he's I mean, he's a good cop. He's the he's he's one that he looks for every detail in his investigations and he leaves no stone unturned and he's able to read people. Can even he can tell just by watching the video of of the interview with Reese. You know, he's he's able to tell from, you know, his body language and his yeah. his responses and stuff like that, that, you know, it's 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 not necessarily all what it seems. I've always loved to like he's tireless in like, you know, earlier and trying to bind Sarah. 
once they had that pattern, like he understands, like, yeah, we, we need a bond in the third Sarah. You know, and yeah, it's a very kind of understated role, but he does it really, really well. And so I've always kind of loved his character within the movie because he does a really good job with it. So yeah. meanwhile, <laughs> they're doing all that, and Sarah's trying to make sense of all of it because she has seen the other Terminator. And the, so, you the know, they try to explain to her that the reason Terminator was able to take a point blank shots and get hit by cars gauge shotgun blast to the was chest because of body armor. was because he was wearing body armor and he was high on PCP. <laughs> so it is what it is. And yeah. So, well, while they're in the, in the police station, you know, then the Terminator comes in the front door, walks by Silverman and yes, know, for Sarah Connor. Yes. Or Sarah Connor. And they say that she's, she's giving a statement and giving a statement. And so then the famous line, I'll be back. And he walks out <laughs> and then drives the cop car through the front door. <laughs> <laughs> Crushes the desk cop. He wasn't lying. He came back. And <laughs> proceeds to kill almost every single cop. Yep. Just walks and through the police station, station, just shooting everybody. And, and uh, Reese is able to get loose. He's able to kind of overpower one of the cops that's supposed to be watching him. Gets the keys, unlocks his cuffs, is able to find Sarah. They escape. And they spend their night basically in, what, like a drainage? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's where the drainage just comes from. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But that's where more exposition is coming. This is brought in. Exposition. And then he starts talking more about kind of why he wanted to come back himself. Yeah. Because he had this picture of Sarah, and she's the mother of this great leader, and how much she loves her. Uh, which yeah, I guess John gets explained in the Yeah, John gave too. yeah gave him a picture of Sarah, and he memorized every line of of her. Yeah. You know what she looks like. And yeah, fell the in picture love with her. she looks kind of sad. You know, we get other glimpses of kind of how the resistance lives. We find out information about how dogs do a good job mm-hmm. of hunting out in Terminators. Yeah, they can sniff Terminators. They can sniff them out. And so they have dogs stationed at all the entrances to their base. And so everybody that comes through has to let the dog sniff them. Yeah. So it's, you know, uh, kind of runs through all that. And then he you know, points yeah, a rifle at a good. kid. You see that? <laughs> the kid who's just sitting there playing in the. You know, in the hallway, you know, acts like he's going to shoot at Kyle. And so Kyle raises up his gun on the kid, just jokingly, but still. <laughs> but, you still, know, he, those scenes, you know, they do a good job of showing, like, the community, I guess. Yeah. You call it that they have with there. Like, there's even how to live in. There's the girl. This is just watching TV. It's just fire. They keep warm, right? Yeah, that they really sell the desolation really well. Yeah. Then these flash, I guess, technically flash. Uh, well, for Reese are flashbacks. So, yeah, for Reese, they're flashbacks for Sarah, they're flash forwards. Flash forwards. But, yeah. So, yeah, no, it's just another good point where they can throw in kind of exposition dump. You know, you kind of have a bunch of action sequences, and now you're dumping in this, and then you're just kind of drawing, just he's drawing us more into the characters well again. They wake up and realizes that he needs to kind of build defensive. And yeah, so they go shopping. Really, they go shopping. <laughs> they go shopping. They buy a bunch of you know household well, they, products. They go to a motel and they go shopping. And yeah, he gets a bunch of. Of course, um, when they go to the motel, yeah, the first yeah. thing that Kyle does, the motel clerk has a dog sitting outside, and he goes up and he pets the dog, lets it smell him. Yep. Because he's yeah, used to doing I've, that every I've time he's like, Always like that little scene. It's so perfect. Yeah. So he's so used it, to. It just, it, 
dog sniff out Terminator. So yeah. he sees a dog, he's going to go let it sniff him, make sure the dog knows that he's not a Terminator, even in the past when Terminators don't exist yet. Meanwhile, the Terminator is repairing himself. Mm-hmm. It, it's really kind of a creepy scene. Yeah, the Terminator, <laughs> one of the moments that's clearly stop motion. It's and also like the, in the motel, but it's more like one of those seedy, like yeah. city motels. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he basically uses a knife to take his eye out, his damaged eye from his fights with Reese. And yeah. so he's just got the glowing red eye and uh, puts on a pair of sunglasses to cover it. Oh, it's like the guy, I, maybe he's probably the owner of the place, right? Because like he's a dude that's about to clean up a hotel room. Knocks on the door. I, I love how... It goes through the possible responses. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he does basically fuck all. <laughs> but he repairs himself and he gets himself set because, you know, he needs to continue back on his mission. And we haven't really, you know, find out he also has Sarah's address book. Yeah, she. so he took her address book from her house when he was yeah. there earlier, killing her roommate. I, I kind of forgot about, I actually kind of forgot about this scene, but, you know, I was watching it, like, oh yeah, completely forgot about this. And he finds her mom, and we find out her mom was going to be the one picking her up from the police station after everything. And then, you know, we have Reese, before he goes shopping, tells Sarah not to speak to anybody, which she unfortunately does. Yes, because her mom calls her, but it's not really her mom. Her mom's dead, because the Terminator yep. killed her. Yeah, I completely imitated forgot her voice. that the Terminator killed her mom. Yes. I completely forgot about that. Yep. Oh, and the, mom, and so the Terminator copied her mom's voice and called Sarah to find out where she is. But uh, I'm always, there's a really, I like this scene too, because the, where they sign off, where Terminator's like, oh, I love you too, right? Because, you know, again, we talk about the voice mimic. Sarah's like, you can tell, she's like, that's weird. And that gets called back into Terminator 2, where the young John Connor is yep. on the phone with his yep. foster mom. Yeah, his foster mom and and asking about... Oh, she's acting weird. Like, why is she saying what she's saying, right? And he says it, and then the Terminator... Then he asks, you know, what's the dog's name? Because the dog's barking in the background. Tells him the dog's name, so So, then he gives the the foster mom a completely different name for the dog, asks how how Wolfie's doing, and she answers that he's doing just fine, and that's how the Terminator knows that it's a T-1000. Terminator knows. But anyway, that's yeah, the next one. It, it's a good, that's, that's, it's a good uh, parallel with in good reference. And, and yeah, so Kyle gets Reese back gets to the motel room. And, you know, he's got his shirt off. And they... And, you know, he's, again, talking about the great John Connor and Sarah Connor. One thing... Weren't, weren't they weren't they making bombs first? And he gets back. She asks, what's for dinner? And he <laughs> yes. says, plastique. And she That's says, mm, yeah, sounds tasty. Pipe, so they're making, they're making pipe, pipe bombs. bombs first. So he, he, he <laughs> gives Sarah her first lesson on Because uh, he was very specific making pipe bombs. that he needed a room with a kitchen when they were checking in at the hotel. Yeah. So they do so, that. And again, kind of talking about the past. And she wants to know what the women are like in the past, the future. Yeah. And he doesn't know much about women in the future because he's only known war. Yeah. So uh, we found Which out actually that. actually is a really good response. Yeah. So we find out that Kyle Reese is a virgin. Yes. And, uh, and he so, tells her that he came back for her. Yes, because he's in love with her. And then, and then uh, they reach emotional catharsis. Exactly. <laughs> I was wondering so, which one of us was going to say it. <laughs> That's the, it's funny. That's, that's, that's probably like, the greatest special feature in any movie 
outdated. Yeah. But when DVDs first were released, they would have little booklets inside them. No, it wasn't a booklet. It was a, one of the special features. It was a. It, it was actually you could oh, flip right. through it on the screen. It was on the screen. That's right. It would talk it about different scenes. Yeah. And yeah. And one of them on the DVD, which I have never seen uh, the the version of the DVD that you have. I had yeah. not seen it ever since then. That version of it. I've looked for it. I've looked for the emotional catharsis version of the DVD. Because there's one where it's describing different scenes in the movie. And you're reading through it and it's talking about that scene where Kyle and Sarah reach emotional catharsis. And that's all it says if about it. If you haven't caught on yet, emotional catharsis means sex. Yes. And, you know, hey, they're young 20-somethings in a hotel room. You know. You know they, not, they do you what, know, you know. 20-somethings do in a hotel room we, we when they're being hunted by a killer robot from the future. And you know you know when they ultimately reach emotional catharsis because they're gripping each other's hands so tightly and then they just both let go <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> Very different than the emotional catharsis with Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> In the antique car. With the foggy windows. And, yeah. Oh. The handprint. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I'm going back with you, Jack. <laughs> but anyway, so they reach emotional catharsis. And then the next day, they go. Uh, getting ready to head out. But he hears the dog barking, mm-hmm. right? The Terminator found him. And he knows that. He knows right away. So, him. yeah. So they have to escape the Terminator again. And so they get into a car chase. Uh, the Terminator's on a motorcycle at this time, chasing yes. them. Meanwhile, they're driving in a pickup truck, throwing pipe bombs behind them, mm-hmm. missing missing the Terminator and just about every one of them, which, I mean, is understandable because they're throwing pipe bombs out of a moving truck, out of a moving pickup truck, <laughs> at a motorcycle yeah. <laughs> that's at also moving behind them. Which, you know, highly maneuverable vehicle. Yeah, so in all that, Kyle ends up getting shot, so he's wounded. And they go to... Uh, well, she's able to knock him off. After yes, she, yes, she's able Kyle to knock him off of the motorcycle. And so he, he commandeers like a tanker truck. Yes, he commandeers a tanker truck, throws the driver out. And so they end up outside of a factory where when they get out of their pickup truck and Kyle is able to put a pipe bomb in the into back of the, the tanker truck. Yeah, it's a little hose tube with a, you know, yeah. that would go from the the tank to where it ends up blowing up the tanker with the Terminator inside it inside the cab and ends up burning all of the Terminator's flesh off. So it's just the robot underneath. Just the robot. Just the metal endoskeleton who then follows them into the factory. And so when they get in there, they start turning all the machines on so that it'll uh, confuse his tracking because there would be too much interference for the Terminator to be able to uh, effectively follow them. You know, they're fighting the Terminator in there because it catches up to him. And Reese is starting to... He's got to, one last pipe bomb. Yeah, he's got one last pipe bomb. Sticks it in the in the middle of the Terminator's torso. Blows the Terminator in half. Yeah. But the explosion also mortally wounds Reese. Uh, but, you know... That always, on top know, of the gunshot wound from, from uh, the chase and all that. So he is down for the count. Not quite dead yet, but he's mortally wounded at this point. Um, you know, he, he goes heroically, like in yes. any of these, you know, any 
good action movie yes. like this. Yes, definitely. So yeah, so Terminator, the top half of its body is just is is crawling after yeah. Sarah. She crawls through a hydraulic press. It's, you know, it's still got the chips that uh, it, it's going after her. Yeah. It doesn't have its legs anymore, but it still has its arms and it's able to, or at least one of its arms, and it's still able to yeah. uh, to crawl after her, drag itself. So she crawls through a, a hydraulic press, gets out the other side, shuts the gate on it, and as the Terminator is reaching out to try to grab her, she activates the press and it crushes the Terminator. And you know, you know that the Terminator is ultimately dead now because his little red eye goes out. Eye goes out. Little red light in his eye turns off. Again, but all this is important because we'll later find out about the arm, which is sticking yes. out trying to grab her. Yes, that comes back in the second movie. And the chip in his head find out that this is where uh, Cyberdyne is. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, we find, which yeah. becomes important for the second movie and how Judgment Day is still inevitable. But that's not the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, so end, Sarah uh, gets down there. She tries to wake Reese up. She tries to get him on his feet and get him to help, but it's too late, and he's dying. I've always liked the line, and it's, it's earlier within the, the sequence, before they get into the factory, where she's like, oh, you're a feet soldier, right? Yeah, you know, it's like I was this, like that, too. You know, it's like, you could, it's like it's that change within the character, where you see her shifting yeah. into kind of this soldier. She's, and this, she's know, not warrior. the naive 20-something yeah. anymore. I always like that line, as you know, she's getting it before they get that. Yeah, I, I always like that line too. Yeah, you know, it's you know, it didn't, you, know, you buy it into how you see her in T two. Yeah. So uh, after the factory, next it's it's a little bit little bit of a time jump, not much, just maybe a week or two. But she is driving south. She's driving down south into Mexico, and she's talking on you know, it's like a tape recorder. Yep, she's making tapes um, for John. Making tapes for John because it's revealed that she actually. I guess it's it's late. It's more than just a couple of weeks. It's it's visibly, yeah, like she's eight or nine months later. Time. She's visibly pregnant. So you know when they did the deed. Yeah, when they reached That's emotional catharsis, we, that was when John was conceived. So we find out Kyle there that is Kyle is John's, John's father. father. Yep, and that is the true reason why John sent Kyle back in time to protect his mother. Yes. Because he knew that Kyle was his father. And if he didn't send him back in time, then John wouldn't exist. <laughs> Fuck bomb. So the... <laughs> So then that begs the question, why didn't the machines just try to kill Kyle in the future? They would have to be, I guess it would have to... Like, I mean, they would have to know, know that, was, yeah, they would have to know that he was the yeah, father, but but yeah, I mean, it would make it so much simpler if they would have just killed him in the future before he was sent back in time. You know, there's, in terms of all the time travel physics, like, you know, right. we don't get into that, about how, like, was he always the father? I don't know. And um, we have, you know, she stops at a gas station. And a little right. little Mexican boy comes and, cool. and takes her picture. Then, you know, the starts speaking that Spanish. And cool. so the uh, the gas station attendant translates for her, says that if she doesn't give him $5 for the picture, his father will beat him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. And so she talks him down to $4, which is the kid going to get beat when he gets home because it's $4 and not 5 Maybe, you know, maybe it's a less, less of a beating. Uh, maybe it's just you a know. spanking. <laughs> instead it's of a beating making, um, you know instead of i i don't know what they, they use in mexico for that, you know? yeah maybe instead of you know like a uh belt with little like cactus needles being driven in his butt maybe it's just a switch yeah <laughs> um, but yeah so gives the kid four bucks and we see that it's the picture that john gave to kyle 
And uh, before she drives off, the little boy says something else in Spanish. And she asks the uh, gas station attendant what he said. And he says, there's a storm coming. That's right, yeah. And she says, I know. And then drives off toward the horizon where the storm clouds are. And then the, and that, the that fantastic music. Yeah. That, Which we have, it's funny. Like I, It's funny when I was rewatching this, I was thinking like, oh, yeah, we've got to talk about the music. And we haven't talked about the music until right now. No, we can talk about it right now. <laughs> we've got the movie talked about. We can and talk about the, the music. The score is fantastic. It is. It really is. And like it's yeah, it actually you know plays you know the uh, well the movie has like kind of an opening credits thing where it's like animation. Obviously, some opening credits kind of play over a scene going on within the movie. You know, it's its own thing, and they get that you know the classic score. Yeah. Do 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 do. Yeah, and it plays again here at the end. And yeah, it's it's funny. Like you would think you can kind of place it within the eighties, but it's not. A, dated piece and it just fits really well because you know it's there's not much to it right you know it's kind of simple but it conveys the seriousness of it and it's a good way to wrap the movie up but yeah you know, i obviously there's times where you kind of get like with a tech noir where you have the classic 80s style kind of techno music and you get it too like within the police station yeah the roommates playing 80s music on our headphones yeah but, you know the, the score itself or that whenever it comes in it's just it's perfect yeah it fits perfectly with what's going on and it's yeah it's it's an incredible score and it's funny like it's a uh very you know the ending you know there's similar in a way and you know between this and t2 is but the narration about the ending is different yeah t2 yeah. words who, who it's did the score funny. for it should be slightly hopeful it is who did the score for terminator I think it was James Ford. Maybe it was. Uh, Brad Fidel? Brad Fidel. Yeah. So Brad Fidel. 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 He did both. And then he also did True Lies. So. Oh, yeah. Another another Arnold movie. movie. Yeah. So oh, he did Keanu movie. He did Johnny. Oh, he did Johnny Mnemonic? Wow. Another kind of classic 80s horror movie, Frightening. Maybe one of those big ones. Yeah. So any last remarks about uh, Terminator? No, I, again, like I, I love it because I love the whole Terminator series. When we do uh, the second one shortly, we won't do it yeah, right away. Yeah, we're not going to be doing T two right we can after talk about this one. Like better. Yeah, they both have their merits. They, they're both, they're both excellent movies. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. To, it's hard to I, say which one's better. I than don't want to say a whole lot. Yeah, but, but I like. It's funny again. This big action movie. Same time, it's not like it's diving deep into a lot of like sci fi themes. It's always, I just think it's terrific how personal he's able to make it. Yeah. But, you know, and again, even if it is kind of familiar themes within science fiction, they kind of put his own stamp on the story. And I don't know, in some ways, it kind of miss some of these kind of action oriented movies like this being on the smaller scale even though it's not that small in scale right yeah no it's just such a well constructed movie it really is and i watch it and it's like yeah it's it jumps from one piece to the next while still being able to give the proper background of what we know building in characters we care about yeah i mean like like we said earlier it the first 20 minutes of the movie is character development and building the world and all of that all crammed into like that first 20 minutes or so it would be very easy to to rush all of that but it's not rushed it doesn't feel rushed it's a lot of information coming at you, but it doesn't feel, it's not overwhelming and it doesn't feel rushed. But yeah, it, it, it's a very, very well-made movie. 
it's just crazy when you look at it. Like, the only thing it was nominated for were the Saturn Awards, right? Which is a science fiction fantasy work. You know, nothing within sound or visual effects or anything like that, right? And obviously, the Terminator 2 would because of like the effects of the Terminator 2 are awesome, obviously groundbreaking. Yeah, I, I'm just, I, I can't believe I'm looking at that and thinking that. Oh, yeah, no, it didn't receive any nominations. And so I guess the other thing I look at is like, yeah, does it make any sense? Probably especially when you look back at... But, I mean, that's also, that. that was also back in, in the day when movies like that weren't necessarily considered for Oscars or anything like that, really. Right, and, and it was, you they know, weren't, James Cameron was not a name yet. No, he, he was so still in his early days. So if you were going to be nominated, especially like for stuff like visual effects and sound, you had to be more well-known, had to be like a big blockbuster. Because like... 84, right? The visual effects winner was Temple of Doom. And Ghostbusters was not. But yeah, so there's uh, the Terminator. Uh, like we said, we're, yeah. we're not going to, we're not going to be jumping right into Terminator 2 uh, just yet. We'll do, yeah, we will definitely it, be doing that watch one. watch Terminator 2 after it if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Because it's fantastic. It is fantastic. Awesome. And we will definitely get to Terminator 2 before too long. But the next movie we're going to do, we're going to we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to move into uh, the comic book realm with a with uh, a movie with the best Batman ever to be Batman. Kevin Conroy with what is arguably the best Batman movie, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Of course, it was the the movie that uh, that spawned from Batman, the animated series. And uh, it is uh, one of my favorite movies. Uh, Batman the Animated Series, of course, was my, my all-time favorite yeah. show. My all-time favorite TV show. That, that and, really, uh, that time frame, just the animated series around that time, like the golden age in some ways. Yeah, so so yeah. So the next movie we're going to be doing is uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, we're going to be delving into everything that went into that movie and give our opinions on it and uh, all of that. So uh, join us next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> or Batman Mask of the Phantasm. <laughs>